Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. Today, I want to talk about how to be a stronger person. How to be a stronger person. You know, there's a Japanese marathon runner who competed in the qualifying trials and was awarded the opportunity to go to the 1912 Stockholm Olympics. Well, this man was so excited about going to the marathon and he shows up on the day of the big race and the marathon begins, but shockingly, he disappeared in the 1912 Olympic marathon race. He had a rough 18 day long trip to Stockholm First, he jumped on a ship, and then he was on a train and and went through the Trans-Siberian Railway. And he really needed five days to recover for the race, but he didn't have that chance to get that race. And much weakened by the long journey from Japan, as he was running the race, he lost consciousness midway through the race. He was cared for by a, a local family, and he was embarrassed about his failure. And so he goes home to Japan without even notifying race officials. Well, Swedish authorities considered him missing for 50 years before they discovered that he was living in Japan. So in 1967, he was officially offered the opportunity to complete his race. Well, he accepted it, and he completed the marathon in 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, and 5 hours and 32 minutes. Amazing, right? This is what he said. It was a long trip along the way. I got married, had six children, and ten grandchildren, but 54 years later, I completed the Olympic marathon race. What an amazing story. You think about finishing a race. I don't know about you, but on my college transcript, I didn't want to have any eyes on my transcript. And I stands for incomplete, because I was told it's better to have a C on your transcript than an incomplete, because the incomplete says, you quit. You didn't finish the course. If you want to be a stronger person, you've got to be able to finish the race. And it begins by being a strong, healthy Christian. Not too long ago, I put on my Facebook a simple question. And the question was, when did Jesus become real to you? And I just want to share some of the responses that I received. Lisa said, Jesus became real to me when my husband and I met a pastor who showed us in the Bible how to be saved, the best day of the beginning of my life. And then Robert said, Jesus became real to me when I was shot and left for dead. Margaret said, Jesus became real to me when I was led to Christ by my missionary cousin. Chris said, Jesus became real to me when I finally realized that no matter how hard I tried, I could not find peace in my heart without him. And then Crystal said, Jesus became real to me when my daughters were baptized. Lee said, Jesus became real to me when my neighbors started a Bible study and invited me to attend after the death of my mother-in-law. Fred said that Jesus became real to me in the foxholes of Vietnam when I was being shot at. Marty said that Jesus became real to me 
when I allowed him to be the Lord of my life. Jay said that Jesus became real to me when I was incarcerated at Indian Creek Correctional Center. He became real to me and I stopped smoking after 38 years of being an addict. Deborah said, Jesus became real to me after many invites to church. I finally went to church and I received the free gift of salvation. Rob said that Jesus became real to me on my knees in a Memphis hotel. Terry said Jesus became real to me when I was a high school student and my parents separated. What? My perfect Christian family was not what I thought it was. My world crashed and I felt all alone. I cried out to God and I felt his presence and he told me that he would never leave me. You see, if you want to be a strong believer, there's a starting point. We are called to be strong and courageous, but we can't do it on our own strength. When you receive the gift of salvation, you are on a wonderful journey, a journey of being strong and courageous. Moses reminded his people that the Lord your God is going to go with you. Deuteronomy 31.6, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, the Lord will be with us. When you go through the rivers, they're not going to overwhelm you. I want you to know that the Lord your God is with you. You know, Hurricane Matthew was a storm of historic devastation. But our God was in, in the storm. It was no match for him. Many were protected during that storm. David said to God, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Let's do the same thing today. In Judges chapter 13, we learn that a guy by the name of Samson was born. And it says that the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Well, let me give you a little background of the life of Samson. And then we're going to have some takeaways about what we can learn about living in courage not from the good example of Samson, but rather from the bad example of Samson. You see, as you look at your life, people are either learning to be more like Christ because of your testimony, or they're learning how not to be more like Christ by your testimony. Well, Samson was a judge, not like a judge that we think about today. In the Bible, the book of Judges talks about the leaders. Samson's calling from birth was to begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. We see that in Judges chapter 13. Now, reading the account of Samson's life and then his downfall with Delilah, you might tend to think that Samson lived a wasted life, that he was a failure. Yet even still, he acknowledged his God-sized mission. You know, leaders for many years have observed that those who never fail or rarely fail, or we could say who rarely enter into long-term failure, it has nothing to do with their competence. You see, you can be a very competent person and still fail miserably. What is the difference between a leader that refuses to quit and one who is constantly quitting? The word that this article talked about is that strong leaders have a strong core. Now, the word core has become a major idea when it comes to physically developing muscles and, and athletes and, and those who are interested in fitness. 
Core includes all the muscles around the midsection. The core muscles, that's what brings stability to our entire body. I remember one time I had surgery. It was a surgery on my core. I had my gallbladder removed. And I remember after that surgery, I felt pretty good until I tried to stand up. The simple act of standing up is difficult if your core muscles have been compromised. So the core muscles bring stability to the entire body. Now, athletes are very concerned about that. But when you think about the spiritual aspect of a person with a strong core, when their core is intact, when it is congruent with how they're living their life, there's no conflict, right? They're not trying to muster up an image that is not true. When we think about those who are strong in their faith, they're not self-serving, they're not arrogant, they're not insecure. This is the core values that they have. No matter how they live their lives, what you see is a consistency in their core convictions. Failed leaders have a malfunctioning core. It has been broken in some significant way. When we look at the life of Samson, there was a core malfunction. The core of who he was is what caused him to constantly fail. And it wasn't that we can't learn anything from Samson. We're going to learn some characteristics from his life. But if you're looking at your life and there's some core issues that are wrong, core character issues, those must be dealt with first. Let's look at these character traits that will weaken our lives. Looking at the life of Samson. Number one would be self-indulgence. It weakens our lives. Accountability, on the other hand, strengthens our lives. Judges chapter 14, I'm looking at verses 1, 2, and 3. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Now, he's okay at this point, right? And here's a lesson to all of us about the lesson of temptation to give in to lust. Things are going to catch your eye. Uh, I had one guy said, uh, it's not a sin until you take that second look. Well, this Philistine woman caught his eye. Now, if Samson had kept going, uh, he would have been all right. But when he returned home, he told his father and mother. And so, in other words, he saw this woman and he kept seeing her again in his mind, and he became infatuated by her, and he goes back to his mom and dad and says, listen, this young Philistine woman in Timnah, she caught my eye, and I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe, or among all the Israelites you could bury, they asked, why must you go to a pagan Philistine to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Now here, self-indulgence is ruling the life of Samson. This prohibition to marry a Philistine was based upon a core belief that was contrary to what Samson was raised in. It went against his faith. His father and mother objected. Says, can't you find somebody of the same faith. Can't you find a Jew to marry? Somebody who agrees with your core values, your core beliefs. But Samson said, no, get her for me. 
She looks good to me. Now, the New Testament is very clear. Paul says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from sinful nature. So a weak person will have the excuse, well, just this once, I'm going to do it. It's no big deal. You see, strong people discipline their desires. Paul tells us that if you go around doing whatever you can to get by with whatever you can, you're going to be a slave to your whims. Now, that's a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 6.12. That's the message paraphrase. Solomon goes even deeper. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You see, a strong person has discipline, and they discipline their desires. They know that not every desire should be followed. Not every desire should be pursued. Did you know that a spider web is stronger than steel? A single strand of a spider silk is thinner than a human hair, but it's five times stronger than steel of the same width. A spider silk rope, just two inches thick, could reportedly stop a Boeing 747. Now, on its own, it could do very little, but bound together with other strands in a rope, it has awesome strength. When I think about strong people in discipline, they realize that their discipline to overcome their desires, desires of the lust of the flesh, that discipline will cause them to have down-the-road strength. You see, we don't get stronger by giving into temptation. We get stronger by resisting temptation. I'll give you just a very simple illustration of this. I just came off a 21-day fast. And it was a fast, not of food, but it was a fast of sugar and soda. Uh, No Dr. Pepper, no uh, added sugar. Now, I would eat only natural sugar that is found in fruit. Did you know for the first seven days, I felt lousy. And my mind began to tell me, well, just take one little candy bar. Uh, And and that will cause us to go away. And and I said, no, I'm not going to do it because I've learned in the past that when I, when I did one little thing to break a fast, man, the whole thing fell apart on me. I finally said, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to remain strong. Lord, give me the strength not to consume those Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, I even found Reese's peanut butter cups that have no sugar in them. They have no taste to them either, but uh, they have Reese's peanut butter cups that are sugar-free. That didn't help with my sugar addiction. You know, by the second week, I stopped craving sugar. I'm so glad I didn't give in to that temptation, right? When we resist the temptation, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Paul says, make no accommodations for the flesh. Discipline will give us victory over evil desires. There's a second thing that we can learn about the story of Samson. We've learned self-indulgence weakens our lives, but accountability 
helps us to have stronger lives. Number two, bitterness and anger weakens your life. But confession strengthens your life. Let's go back to the story of Samson. Judges 14, verse 19. Now, Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and his mother, okay? Samson said, this time, I can't be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Those are two verses I'm putting together. Let me explain these two verses. Samson gets married to Delilah. Delilah deceives him. He gets furious, and he goes back home to live with his father. And then he gets ticked off a second time, and then he does something crazy to the Philistines. And then he says, because of this, I'm not going to rest until I take my revenge on you, men of Judah. Why are you doing this to us? But Samson replied, I only did it to them what they did to me. Now, I'm leaving a lot of details out because of time. But Samson captures 300 foxes, and this is the first... Somebody jokingly said, this is the first example of a true taillight, right? He's capturing these foxes, and he sets them on fire, and they run through the fields, and they destroy the crops. Now, a weak person's excuse is this. They started it. A weak person says, they started it. Weak people rehearse their hurts, and then they retaliate. A strong person, however, restrains his actions and then he releases his heart. You see, there's a difference between the way we operate. Well, we're driven with bitterness and anger. It actually weakens our lives. Well, we are confessing our anger, confessing our bitterness, confessing our faults to one another. We actually become stronger. Now, you're going to think what I'm about to say is kind of strange because uh, this is an area that I have I've received victory over a terrible temper. Lord knows how bad my temper was. There's two things that I really needed some help to be delivered from, bad words and a bad temper. How did I get rid of those two things? I confessed the fact that I had an anger problem. I said, Lord, I'm going to confess this to you, but I'm also going to confess this to other people. I had five men that prayed with me to have victory over anger. I mean, here I am pastoring a church and I'm the biggest hothead in the congregation. And I said, this can't be right. And then I had trouble with my vocabulary, right? Uh, I would use colorful language even from the pulpit, right? And uh, part of it was uh, one of my mentors uh, did that and I I thought that was kind of cool. I said, well, if he does it, maybe I should do it. But then I had somebody pull me to the side and said, now listen, Pastor, uh, you're a bigger person than that. Why do you go down that path? You know, when this guy confronted me, my first response was, well, well, who do you think you are, right, Uh, to tell me I I can't do, you know, how many churches have you built? How many congregations have you led? And, And then the Lord just immediately rebuked me, and I confessed that. You know, ever since that time, the Lord has given me deliverance. That weakness of an anger, of rage, and of a vocabulary that is displeasing to God, both of those I was delivered from. You see, a weak person excuse will say, well, they started it. That's what Samson's doing. 
you guys started this. Uh, you guys are the ones who are getting your just desserts. Proverbs 29 says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know, when I was battling anger, my response was, every boss I ever worked for was a jerk. Every person I ever worked for was a jerk. And I was self-justifying my anger. I was so filled with anger. I saw anger in places that anger didn't even exist. You see, a fool gives full vent to their rage, but the wise brings calm in the end. Well, there's a third lesson that we can learn from Samson. We've learned so far that self-indulgence weakens our lives, but accountability strengthens it. We've learned that bitterness and anger weakens our lives, but confession will actually strengthen our lives. And then thirdly, we learned that as a result of looking at the life of Samson, carelessness weakens your life, but accountability will strengthen your life. Let's look at the story of Samson again, going back to Judges chapter 13. It says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to the Lord as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And then we drop down to chapter 16, and it says, Well, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson so that he will tell you what makes him so strong, so that we can overpower him and we can tie him up securely. Then each of you will give 1,100 pieces of silver. Verses 16 and 17. She tormented him, nagging him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Dropping down to verse number 19. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head on her lap, and then she called in the men to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines, they're coming to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gorged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with a bronze chain and forced to grind grain in the prison. Here we see that he got careless in little things. As a result of this carelessness, his life began to unravel. It wasn't a sudden blowout. It was a slow leak, a wife nagging him day after day after day, and Sansom slowly losing that care to make sure that he protects 
that vow that was made, that Nazarite vow. You see, Jesus said, it's the little foxes that come in and spoil the vine. You don't have to worry about the big storms in life destroying you. You got to be careful during those little times in your life, those secret times in your life, when nobody knows what you're doing. In the quietness of those moments, your true character will begin to emerge. Oh, be careful over the little things in life, because all big things in life are comprised of little. Maybe today, there's an area in your life that you're like me, you battle maybe with anger, and you really want to be set free. Oh, I would love to pray for you. You know, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If you need some prayer, shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365, and I will pray that God will give you deliverance. And if I can help you in any other way, you can shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. May God bless you today. And may you learn to walk in certainty, knowing that you are loved by the Almighty God, knowing that He can give you victory in every area of your life. Thank you so much for listening today. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.